Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shyhards welcome to episode 66 of meet us at molly's today we're going to cover that very long very gut-wrenching sometimes frustrating but overall good Chicago Fire season finale, season six, episodes 22 and 23, entitled One for the Ages and the Grand Gesture. As always, I am Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. We don't have any news just because, again, it's season finale time. There's just, you know. There were, though, I will say this. There were a couple really good articles. I mean, this is PD related. There were a couple really good articles um, from Rick Eyed, or with Rick Eyed, discussing the PD finale. Um, there was that Us Weekly podcast that I did not get to listen to. Oh, with Jesse Spencer. With Jesse Spencer. Did you listen to it? Not yet. I didn't either, so we can't really talk about it because we don't, we didn't listen to it and we want to, I know there was some things that going around that saying that just like the tweet where Casey talks about him being single is not totally accurate like he did talk about being single but in a different context so I feel like when we discuss it I want to have like listen to it first yeah so um trust me we have tons to unpack with Chicago Fire tonight so you know we'll definitely get to that um if you missed it we got renewed for seasons four six and seven whoop, whoop. um other shows did not fare so well we were just talking before we started recording about this week being a bloodbath for tv Literally, Friday was a bloodbath. Like, this oh, week yeah. was a bloodbath, but, like, Friday night, it was just, like, I couldn't even, I've, like, been writing a post, well, like, having, updating a list for Talk Nerdy with us, and literally, it was, like, every time I clicked the update button, it was, like, 10 more things got dropped, and I was, like, holy crap, and yeah. I was telling Jean, I was telling you that, like, I went to a dinner on Friday night, and I literally turned on notifications for TV Line so that I could, you know, just look at them on my phone without being on my phone all night. Have any of the other shows you watch been canceled? Not yet. By the time this comes out, I will know. I will likely know the fate of Timeless, which is the only one I'm waiting on. Otherwise, all my shows have been renewed. That's good. Yeah, all of mine have two, actually. Um, the one I'm sad about, which I had lost, not touch with, but I had lost over the years, was Quantico. Because season one of Quantico was excellent and then it dropped off in seasons two and three but i'm still bummed about it because like alex and ryan forever but yeah, yeah no that was timeless only. is the only one that i'm waiting on and like I said by the time this comes out on monday we will likely know because nbc's upfront day is monday um i have a lot of feelings and i could get into like well matt lancher and abigail spencer were at the summer press day for nbc and timeless isn't even on in the summer so like why the fuck were they there if they don't have plans? But then again, Timeless is not a NBC Universal show. It's a Sony show. Yeah, that's So, true. like, that can also kind of cause problems. So, like, I don't know. But I... Well, and the reason, the reason that's worth mentioning, too, is because of what happened this week with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, yeah. Because... On, I think it was Friday. It was Thursday or Friday that, like, Fox went full Game of Thrones. They just took a machete and, like, if you've ever played the game Fruit Ninja on the iPhone, like, that's basically <laughs> what they did with their lineup. They were just, like, 
Like, but I was listening to a podcast, like, literally, it's not even an entertainment podcast, but it, you know, people pay attention, it has some people who pay attention to television, and they were reminding me, and I totally forgot about this, Fox is trying to repair for a deal for the Disney, like, to merge with Disney, and so they're trying, what someone's theory was, was that they're trying to get rid of a bunch of things that, to make it, whether it's a month for a money reason or just like shows that they think maybe wouldn't be as appealing to Disney, but like in order to kind of prep for that deal. But what would that mean for the ABC and Disney deal? Cause ABC and Disney are like, they've been like besties for like ever. No, it would just mean Disney also owns Fox. Fox. And like Fox studios. Disney's going to take over the world, man. Literally. Because they've been talking about it, too, in terms of, like, in Marvel and, like, comic book world. That would mean Disney now not owns not just Marvel, but they would also own X-Men. So not only would they own the Avengers, they would also own X-Men. I thought X-Men was Marvel as well. No, X-Men is... X-Men might be... I don't know if it's Marvel, but it's not Disney. It's Fox. Hmm. And so... People have been speculating if this deal goes through, then you could see some maybe in the future some kind of crossover because now that they could actually make that logistically happen. Hmm. But it's just like, yeah, so that was a theory in terms of like why they've been going so crazy with axing things that I saw. Don't know if it's true, but like it's a theory that's out there that they're just trying to make themselves look a little bit more appealing. Um, I don't know. But yeah, in terms of Brooklyn Nine-Nine... But then I was reminded Brooklyn Nine-Nine is an NBC Universal show. It just Bingo. Was, it yep. was just picked up by Fox. But, like, still. I'm happy for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I think it's great. I didn't watch it, but there I've seen clips, and I think the things I have seen are funny. I'm just it's not really funny. that into comedies. But, like, I swear, if it had any impact, I don't think it will, but I don't, if it had any impact on Timeless's decision and Timeless goes the wrong way that I want it to, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> Oh, I know, I know. But um, yeah, and that's worth mentioning, too, is that Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been saved by NBC. So I think now, in addition to our Night Shift Med crossover, we can plan out our Brooklyn Nine-Nine PD crossover. Um, <laughs> that would be. Did you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, though? I did in the early seasons. I need to pick it back up because it is pretty funny. And there's that clip that's going around the internet these days. It was like some cold open they had recently where Jake, who's played by Andy Samberg, has all these suspects in a lineup sing I it's Want It That so Way. so funny. That's the yeah. one. I actually like that tweet. So I could like go back because that's so funny. And I'm not really into comedies. So like that's why I like have kind of hesitated to pick it up um, and start watching it. But yeah, it's so funny. It's so- funny. This, what you're getting right now, is a preview of kind of what we're going to cover during hiatus, or briefly what we're going to cover during hiatus. Cause and we... what you're going to see on my Twitter, like, all in our Twitters all week, and just, like, leading up to ATX, and just, like, forever, because we're really big TV fans. Just in general. We love all TV. It just so happens that we love the Chicago shows a lot more than other shows. But, <laughs> yeah, we love all TV, so that's, you're going to get a taste of that over hiatus, but... Yeah, so this finale, oh my goodness, I, I'm, I'm like trying to avoid talking about it, but like, if you guys haven't checked out earlier in the week, we, we've put up most of our interviews now, the only one left is Jeff Dreyer that you have not heard yet, but we but interviewed But it's coming her. out today, no, by the time this has come out, they'll have heard it. That is true, yes, yeah, so you will have heard our interview with Jeff, so all of our interviews are up, go check them out, Roland, Patty, Derek, Jeff, boom, um. But we did chat with Derek Haas last week. He set us up for the finale. And even with everything that he told us, by the end of this finale, I was like, 
I needed to go to like my safe space and be like, nobody speak to me. Nobody do anything. <laughs> I need alone time right now. Otherwise, I'm a throw shit. He was so right though. In terms he of really like was. him, like he knew, like he told us, I mean, because we've been talking to him about this for a while now. And he was like, he's like, yeah, like I'd love to come on, but like I want to do it before the finale. And we were like, okay, but like we would kind of like to do a post-mortem with him. And he's like, no, you guys are going to hate me. Like I got to come on before the finale. And we're like, okay, as long as we get you on. But he was so totally right. Oh, he was not that I, I mean, right. not that I hate him, and I definitely feel, I think I feel better about the finale than a lot of people. Um, but yeah, still, it would have been a weird conversation, and there would have been yelling because there's going to be yelling tonight, and it just, it would have been an awkward thing to have right. him on after. Right. Oh my god. But that okay. being said, Derek, if you're listening, we still want to have you on in September. So like. Derek has an open invite to join us anytime. That's something I've told the listeners, especially yeah. on Twitter this week. Like, Derek anyone, to us could, real. like, do... What'd you say? No, I was say, anyone who's involved in these shows has an open invite. Absolutely, Not anytime. Not Derek. Anyone who wants to come on. But, like, literally, Derek could do what the president does to the news networks and just be like, I'm requesting airtime. And we'd be like, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So... You know, do you Derek's want six, a... seven, eight, or nine? <laughs> like... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Tell us what time, how long do you need? You can absolutely have your airtime. Like, If you just even wanted to record something yourself and, like, us put it up. Have at it, yeah. Have at it, yeah. So Our feed is your feed. <laughs> uh, yeah, our podcast is your podcast. Um, so, you know, he's got an open invite to join us anytime, and I would like to think he knows that. But Derek, since I know you're listening, you have an invite to open a... You have an open invite to join us anytime. Um, but yeah, as do all cast members and crew members of the show. So, but yes. Okay. So this finale as a whole frustrated the hell out of me. You? I mean, I will say this. And I think this is something we need to address before we start talking about Dossie and just all the other storylines. I think it was almost a little underwhelming just because, and I also, okay. I will say this. What first of all, one, I think I feel a little bit better about it just because, and everyone knows, like I like Dossie, but I'm not like the biggest Dossie shipper, so I wasn't like completely heartbroken over the end. I think it's a little annoying, but I'm not completely heartbroken. The second thing I think we need to address is that deadline thing that came out the night before, yes. and why I think it's underwhelming. So Deadline came out with an article, and it had kind of been making the rounds a little bit before that, but Deadline put it out in an article and kind of. Deadline I trust, so, like, it made it a little bit more official. Well, it was immediately after Renewal came down. Like, Renewal came down and Deadline was like, ha! But I'm saying, like, Spoiler TV, I think, had it... I saw it on Spoiler TV first. Mm -hmm. And then, like, once I saw it on Deadline, I was like, okay, well, like, now I actually believe it to be true. So, basically, Deadline had an article about the contract renewal situation. And so, the word is that... Um, Jesse Spencer and Taylor Kenny have re-upped for one year, and so they've already signed their contracts. The other five, the other three that were under for contract negotiations this year were Eamon, Monica, and David. And then supposedly Eamon and David, even though they haven't done anything yet, are like pretty much solid and good to go. But the word is that Monica could, because of the situation that Monica's character was left in at the end of the finale, it could go either way. Monica could choose to come back or she could not. So that kind of, and that was dropped Wednesday night before the finale. And so then everyone was like, oh, well, things aren't good then. 
And, like, it kind of made it obvious when we get to the whole Puerto Rico situation that, like, I was like, oh, well, that's how she leaves. Or that's how Mm -hmm. it's, like, left. So it kind of was almost underwhelming. Like, I feel like I would have been more shocked about everything if I didn't know that. Like, I feel like I would have very different feelings about this finale if that was the case. Well, Deadline straight up spoiled the finale. Let's just be real here. Deadline straight up spoiled it. Which is not cool. With, I mean, they straight up spoiled it without giving detail. So they probably thought it was fine. But for fans, it was so obvious then once you started watching, you're like, oh. Like, that's it. Like, that's We knew exactly what the final scene was going to be. Right. And especially once you finally start to fill in the details and you hear about Puerto Rico, you're like, oh, well, that's it. Yeah. Like, so they, I think they think they were able to get away with it because they didn't put, oh, Gabby, you know, Gabby Dawson is like, the whole Puerto Rico situation, but, like, they still straight up spoiled it. Yeah, no, they absolutely blew it. It makes me mad. I, you know, I, just because we knew what direction it was heading in the minute they did it, and they posted it immediately after renewal. So it's, like, just because Fox and all of these other networks are, like, slashing up their lineups and everybody's shows are getting canceled doesn't mean that our show got slashed and canceled. Let us be happy for a little bit. What it also just kind of makes me curious of, like, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't, it's clear that he had that, um, that news for at least, I mean, like you said, they dropped it right after the renewal news. So, like, why they didn't, they just drop it, like, five hours earlier and just put something about, if the shows get picked up, this is the contract situation. Like, right. I would have almost appreciated it, like, five hours earlier. I mean, it still would have spoiled and that's a whole separate issue, but, like, why didn't they just drop it when they got it? probably for views and clicks yeah it's just annoying no totally annoying absolutely annoying and if it i it made me mad so i wonder how everybody in the fire camp felt if they were just kind of like well that sucks or if they just like let it roll off but yeah it just it totally put a damper on everything for me because it just made it underwhelming like i think i would have been like i think i would have had a little bit more of a reaction um like at the very end of fire, but at the end fire it happened. And again, because I'm not the biggest Aussie shipper in the world, I was like, okay. Like that was fire. Like I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, okay. And then to me it almost felt, and again, this is just because deadline spoiled it. I felt like it was almost overhyped in a way. Cause like I saw it and I was like, oh, that's it. Like yeah. that was that. But again, it's because I kind of knew going in that like, Gabby was going to have this situation that could set her up to leave. And I was just like, oh, okay. So I almost thought it was overhyped and I was kind of underwhelmed. Yeah, absolutely. And plus, let's touch on the fact that, you know, I totally just forgot what I was going to say. God, I hate when I do that. Um, (laughs) Damn it. Oh, I hate when I do that. Uh, I had something really, like, not, like, profound. Nothing's ever profound that comes out of my mouth. But, like, I had something good to say and now I can't remember what it was. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Let's remember that. That's what you started out by saying. What? Monica. Jesse. I don't know. I'm just throwing out names now. Oh, I kind of know. Okay. I don't like to get, you know, in the weeds with the behind the scenes stuff and like speculate on, you know, well, this person's contract is up and I wonder what this means. And that means I don't like to wallow in the behind the scenes stuff. It's completely out of any, it's no. out of everybody's wheelhouse. And that's, not, our... and that's not the point of this podcast either. No, absolutely so, uh, not. Yeah, no. but continue whatever you're going to say. Well, but with, okay, so with the Sophia Bush news in season four, season four, 
I think the fandom is, I, I like, I don't think Deadline dropped that article knowing it would rile up the fandom, but the fandom being the way it is, of course, the minute they dropped that article, everybody was like, oh my God, Monica Raymond's leaving. Panic, you know? So it just put a damper on everything, and I feel like it made the finale hurt that much more. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing with Sophia Bush, I mean, not it's comparing apples to oranges just because Sophia Bush, I mean, the season was over and like mm-hmm. she was leaving and like, it's a very different kind of article, but yeah, I mean, this fandom, I love this fandom, but like they do tend to freak out. I think a little too much. I mean, you know, we're part of the fandom. Things happen. Like that episode when Haley pushed Ruzik against the car, I flipped out. I fell for it. So, I mean, I get it. But, yeah, this fandom has already been through losing a main character once. So the wounds are still, not to call them, like, wounds, but, like, you get what I'm saying. It's, like, the, you know, the shock of it. Like, we all remember that feeling. Well, I think the thing, too, I mean, like, yes, it's a main character. I mean, Al passing, spoiler alert, sorry. Um, But Al passing. I mean, you could even argue that, like, yes, Al is a main character because he was, but it's even a different level because with Monica... Monica is, like, up there. It's, like, Eamon, Taylor, Monica, and Jesse. And, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, the four of them. Like, they are, like, the A stars on fire. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. you could argue that um, Elias, he's, like, a... He's not the main guy on right. on PD. Even though he's a main character, he is not the main guy. He is not Jason. He is not John. He's not Jesse. Right. And he was not, oh, Sophia when Sophia was on. Mm-hmm. But, like, so it's even a different level. Like, with Monica, it's, like, I, yeah, like, I don't know. Right. So there's a million what-ifs, but that was just, that was kind of an outside force that none of us had control over, kind of influencing the finale. So, Deadline, I'm shaking my finger at you. That wasn't nice. Yeah. Spoilers are mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Not cool. So, shall we start with the Dossies? Why not? Let's just continue the rage. Do you want me to take it or you want to talk Dossie? Well, you were telling me earlier in the text, like, because we split up the outline and you were like, I want to let it all out on the Dossies. So, like, I feel like you should take it. Okay, we can do that. All right. So we start and Dossie is actively trying to get pregnant. So for the second or third time this season, we pretty much start the episode with them in the middle of sexy time. Um or maybe that was last season I'm thinking of. There was an episode where it started right away with them in bed. And I was like, oh, I came in at the wrong time. I'm so sorry, Dossie. Like, I'll, I'll exit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're in the middle of that. And they're being cute. They're, like, saying things to each other. And Casey just very sarcastically is like, mm, such a burden trying to get pregnant. And the whole fandom is just like, ah, Dossie, they're so cute. Which they are. So later that night, after shift, Dawson takes a pregnancy test. And it turns out to be negative. This is Dawson in, like, her zone. She's going full Gabby on the situation. Like, okay, we tried. Time to take a test. And now. So, yeah. So she's like, no, it's negative. So Casey's like, okay, well, what I'm hearing you say is that we need to double our efforts. And then Casey also tells her that he's going to step up his game and take her on a classy date. But Gabby's just like, no. Like, she's got her head in the game. She's like, we need to be trying all of the time. And so Dawson's tending bar at Molly's and somehow a fertility doctor that Brett knows comes into play. 
Well, because Gabby brings up, they're, like, talking about the situation, and Gabby's like, oh, well, don't you know that fertility doctor, which was Brett's neighbor, pre-Brett oh. living with Cruz and Otis. Otis, yeah. Okay, yeah, so Brett tells her, she's like, yeah, I know her, and so Dawson suggests going, and, and this has only been, like, what, five minutes in the episode, which means in Chicago Fire Time, knowing Gabby, it's only been, like, two days. She's like, we've been trying, nothing's happening, we need to go to a fertility doctor now. And Casey's like, but, okay, because she's, like, moving at the speed of light, which is just a Gabby thing to do, because of course it is. No big deal. So over lunch, Dawson approaches Casey about visiting the fertility doctor. Casey thinks that that might be rushing it because they just started like five minutes ago in the episode. But ultimately, he agrees with her idea of just going to get a checkup anyway. So they go to the fertility doctor and this is where it just all goes downhill. So the fandom is just unsuspectingly sitting there and we're like, oh, Dawson's just getting a checkup. No big deal. Whatever. The doctor comes in with the bad news that her previous miscarriage, the one she suffered in season four, resulted in an aneurysm that makes it dangerous for her to get pregnant again. So she details this aneurysm and Gabby's like, well, can I still get pregnant? And the doctor's like, it's not a question of could you, it's a question of should you? Because if she gets pregnant and the aneurysm ruptures, it could be fatal. Excuse me for a minute while I go throw shit and rage and just be like, seriously? Seriously. It's not crazy. I mean, it's not crazy, though. Like, speaking from personal, I mean, not personal, like, with me, but personal with, like, my family experience. My mom's had some, I mean, my mom's had a bunch of health issues and she's had some stomach issues. So not related to directly pregnancy, but when I was in college, this was 2015 year summer that it happened. I mean, my mom randomly found out because of, like, kind of as a result of all the stomach surgeries and stuff that she's had, like, she had an aneurysm in her, one of her arteries, kind of like Dawson does. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my mom was luckily, like, she had one procedure and they couldn't get it or whatever, but then magically it just kind of shrunk and disappeared and that was that. So, like, Mm -hmm. when they said that storyline, I was like, oh, like, I mean, it kind of sounded really random. It's like an aneurysm, like, what the hell? But then I was like, oh, well, like, this is something that's actually similarly happened to me and, like, my family. I was like, oh. But, like, yeah, it is just kind of, I mean, it's kind of obviously, like, just a way for it to all go, like, storyline to all go downhill. But, like, yeah. Like, it didn't kind of, it didn't really freak me out because I was like, that's normal. Like, things like that happen. They seem crazy, but, like, they happen. No, they absolutely happen. It was just so frustrating because it just seemed like we were right at the finish line. Dossie was finally going to get their freaking baby. And then it all went downhill. But you knew that was coming. And I didn't. I very naively really? fell for it. I fell for it. I, I knew that. I knew it, it seemed too perfect. I know. It seemed too perfect. Like, it seemed too perfect. I knew it was going to go downhill. I know. But like. Oh, it's just frustrating. And it's frustrating just for the characters. Like, I get from a storytelling perspective, you can't give them their pregnancy, like, immediately. But for Gabby and Matt, I'm like, what do these people have to do to become parents? This that is That point, so I will agree. I will agree from that point. Like, as par- as people who do genuinely want to be parents, it's frustrating that when they adopt, which is almost more likely a surefire way, because obviously you're adopting, but then they had issues with that. They had the miscarriage the first time. Now they can't have kids biologically. Um, Yeah, I get it from that point. But, like, 
from a storytelling perspective, like I knew it had to happen this way. Right. Which for me, it begs the question, and this is just kind of like a rhetorical question, but from a storytelling standpoint, when is enough enough? Because I get that you've got to keep these things going for drama's sake, because if everybody's happy, things get boring. Yes. No, I fully agree with that. But it's been six seasons. So does there not come a point where you know, enough obstacles or enough obstacles where it's like, maybe we should actually let them have their baby this time. It's more of a rhetorical question. Yeah, no, I know. And I think, but I think though, I think we, and something we've always talked about with Dawson is just, I mean, granted it happens, but like, we've always talked about, you know, Dawson's going to hate being pregnant. And like, Mm -hmm. how would that work with her, you know, wanting to be on Ambo, but then obviously, you know, being pregnant and then eventually having to take care of a child. And again, this is kind of a rhetorical question too, but it's something we've always talked about. And so I don't know. It's hard. But yeah, I do agree with your, I mean, I, I think you pointed out a good thought and something for people to think about is just like, what is, is enough, when is enough enough? And just, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's hard. It's very hard. And I just, because like you said, I mean, and as someone like we're both really into like the writing aspect in the writing room, and like that's something we nerd out about. And so, like, like we said, like we both get it from the writer's perspective that like drama is what sells, and like happiness doesn't. Um, I mean, happiness on some level does, but it really doesn't in the end. Um, and so they have to have drama. But like, like you said, as people who love these characters, like you do just want to see them happy. So it's like a weird thing. It's a weird thing. And yeah, it just, when that other obstacle came up, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? All of this buildup and now you're going to take away her ability to like safely have children. Like, oh, but they talk about it later. And this is where Gabby's stubbornness starts to rear its head again. So I think this was later at the house or was this at the firehouse? Isn't this in her, is her, his office? Oh, yeah. So in Casey's office, Gabby comes in and Casey or Gabby's like, yeah, I've decided that we're going to keep trying for a baby. And Matt's like, you've decided. And she goes, it's my body. So it's my choice. I'm the one taking on the risk. But you're not the only one taking on the risk because, yeah, you're taking the risk of your body. But Casey's taking on the risk of losing you and his baby. He's taking the emotional risk. Oh, she is, too. But like he's taking an emotional risk. It's a risk for him as well, yeah. Yeah, it. I agree. It is Dawson's body. It is a majority of her choice. But, and this some we can talk about in a second because I feel like it's a more appropriate conversation to have at the very end. But, you know, Casey gets a say. Like, they are married. They are married, yes. Casey gets a say. Well, and plus, what if, I mean, if they do get pregnant and something happens to Dawson... Casey's going to feel partly guilty. Right. So I get it. And this whole season, every time Gabby goes all Gabby and is like, this is my decision. I'm rolling with it. I'm usually supportive of her. But for some reason in this episode, especially, I was like, I was really shocked at how selfish she was about this and how flippant she was about what Matt had to say. Well, and I think something, too, is, like, if something were to happen to Gabby and, you know, she were to pass or whatever, um, and she, but she was able to successfully deliver a child into this world, then Matt's going to look at that baby and just 
like you said, feel guilty and be like, I should have, you know, as much as he's going to love that child, because he is, I mean, he's Matt Casey, he's wanted a baby for so long, he's going to love that child with everything, he's mm-hmm. not going to be able to look at the baby and be like, not think about Gabby and not think about the situation and not think about how he could have stopped her and, you know, he could, she could still be here. Right, like, he doesn't just want a baby, he wants a baby with the woman he loves. That's what he wants, it's a key distinction. Right, and it's... Right. Well, and even a more key distinction from that is he wants the woman he loves to be there to experience the baby they created together. Yeah. Like, it's not even just he wants the woman he loved and a baby. He wants, I mean, in his perfect world, it would be the woman he loves with the baby they created together. Exactly. But he's willing to sacrifice the baby they created together as long as he's able to have the woman he loves and a baby. Yes. Yeah. So. You know what it reminded me of, which just, like, it gave me flashbacks because I didn't know what to think in the moment either, was season six of One Tree Hill when Peyton was having mm-hmm. issues with her pregnancy yeah. and it was going to risk her health. And she was like, no, we're doing this. And Lucas was like, no, we're not. And when it aired, I mean, granted, I was younger than I am now. I was like, <laughs> it just didn't compute to me. I was like... I can't believe Peyton would, like, risk dying just to have this baby. I can't believe it. I, it just was, like, so black and white for me. Now that I'm older, I'm just like, man, I didn't know what I thought then. I still don't know what I think now. I didn't think I'd be confronted with this situation again. I'm not okay with it. It hurts. Like, to deal with it with one of my ships, I was like, well, that sucks. But now it's two ships. And I'm like, but, ah, frustrating. Well, and it's not even just, I mean, for you especially, like, it's not even just two ships you ship it's two ships i mean we can talk about this in a second once the whole dossier situation is over but it's two ships that were in your top 10 oh yeah for sure like so ships you die like you care about like so hard it's not even just like oh one of them you care about and like you know one that like you're like oh i like this but like they aren't in your top 10 like these are two that were in your top 10 yep Although after this episode, Dossie fell right off. But we'll that's what I mean. That that, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, we can get into that in a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. But I feel like at this point, we could just make a drinking game out of how many times that Gabby makes a decision and Casey has no say. Yeah. But this is so much more different than with Bria or with Louie. This is completely different because. Well, this is literally life and death. Bingo. Bingo. Yes. Because I know we gave Casey a hard time this season. Every time that Gabby didn't go to him, we're like, yeah, because we know what we know what he's going to say. But with this one, he absolutely has a say. Not that he sh- shouldn't have had a say the last time. When I've been saying that all season, I've been saying, I mean, yes, granted, Casey handled some things the wrong way, too. But like, they, their communication problems are an issue. And like, we're gonna get to it but like there was one point of the episode where i was like i can hear brina screaming from oh i was so yep yep i was so i wasn't screaming because like i said they don't anger me that much um but yeah (laughs) i was like this is this is key in case in point what i've been talking about all season yeah it, it it gets bad it gets bad so then some random Chief Hatcher. Have we met Chief Hatcher before? Yeah, he's the one that every time Gabby gets in trouble with the paramedic academy, or I don't know what their governing academy is for paramedics, but that's the guy oh, okay. who always cool. comes and, like, yells at her. Okay, that guy. So Chief Hatcher shows up at the firehouse very randomly, and Gabby's like, uh, hi. 
And he's like, yeah, you're the one I've been looking for. You're like one of the toughest, most battle tested paramedics we have. I'm putting together a task force of volunteer paramedics to go to Puerto Rico to help out. What do you think? And all of the fans are like, huh? What? Where'd this guy come from? And Gabby's like, well, it's not a good time right now. And Chief Hatcher's like, well, it never is. But Gabby's like, He's not wrong. But he's he's not, not wrong. wrong. He's not wrong. But yeah, he, so he comes to her with this idea for Puerto Rico. All of the fans are like, what? Just what? Where did this come from? Where did this? What? We're all confused. But yeah, so she says no. And so Chief Hatcher's like, okay, I understand. Like, bye. Um, Yeah. And so that happens. But then Matt comes in while she's doing laundry and he comes in and he's like, what if we adopt? Now, I get that. Matt's trying to think of all other alternatives, but this hasn't worked out for them in the past. And it's not just one time. It's been multiple times. Yeah. So something I just thought about, why would they, why didn't they explore surrogacy as an option? Somebody else pointed that out on Twitter. I don't know why. Like that is the most, I mean, that just seems like the most obvious solution like they want to have a try to have a baby naturally it's not like they said dawson can't like her eggs aren't viable they just said dawson herself cannot have a baby because of the aneurysm so why can't they get her eggs tested out make sure that part's okay make sure matt's you know swimmers are okay and (laughs) go i mean i get it like but like why can't they at least explore that like why didn't i don't know I think that's probably going to be a season seven problem. Yeah. I mean, I guess the their first odd is because they've had experience with adoption, like go that route. But like surrogacy is an option. Well, like we said, as of now, we don't know medically if it's an option, but like as of now, we think is an op- it is an option. We think so. It's also terribly expensive though. Right. And I know that. And but then I feel like that's a whole, you know, whether they could afford it, like that's a different conversation. But in terms of, like, options to explore, adoption is not the only option. Correct. It Until not. they get the test that says they can't have, they are not, they can't have a baby because X, Y, and Z, surrogacy is still an option. It's an Surrogacy would be a great, it would be a really great storytelling option as well because then we still get the Dossies having a baby, but we also still get Gabby in action and not sitting around hating being pregnant. What if Brett was their surrogate? oh my god i would love that so much that'd be a great storyline oh my god and antonio would be just doting on her hand and foot because like you know that's his niece or nephew i know that'd be a great storyline i would love that so much but yeah then you would deal with them trying to find the surrogate and then if it if they chose obviously not to go with fred it'd be somewhat outside the firehouse so then you have to deal with that and them trying to make sure that person's okay and so it just it could like you said, from a storytelling perspective, it would be very, it'd be very cool. It would and be not something cool. you see a lot of. Like, I feel like it's more common when characters can't have kids for them to go the adoption route. Yeah, you don't really see surrogacy on TV very often, do you? No. Grace did it, I want to say. But I don't think I've ever seen it on Well, when show. I think surrogacy, I think Juliana Rancic. Like, that is in terms of, like, televised surrogacy, even though that's real yeah. life. Like, that's what I think of. Yeah. But, like, not fictionalized. I can't even think of. Did Grace do it? 
the the guys who owned the bar across the street from the hospital. They had a surrogate. Early grays. Like, early, early grays. Huh. Friends, obviously. Phoebe was a surrogate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, so much in terms of, like, child, like, so much in terms of when that episode aired has changed just in terms of what's shown on representation on television. Like, right. I mean, because that was what, like, early 2000s, like 2000, late 90s. I don't know exactly when that that. episode aired in terms of when Friends was on, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of options. I was just curious. It's something I haven't thought of, but until now, but. Yeah, and a lot of people had that idea on Twitter as well. I'm, that seems like probably the best option. Um, But it's worth noting. So Gabby shoots down the adoption thing like immediately. And... She's just like, you really want to go through what happened with Louis again? And she explains it. She's like, what happened with Louis was gut-wrenching and horrible, and it almost broke me. Which I found it really interesting that she said that. So you're telling me that losing Louis broke her more than her miscarriage in season four? Ooh. But I think the thing is, though, they're talking about adoption. Like, in this moment, they're talking about adoption. True. So, like, it. I mean, I think you would say that, I don't know, I can't speak for Gabby in terms of what would have broken her more, but in this moment, they're talking about adoption, and so Louie is her experience with adoption. True. They didn't try to adopt Bria. Didn't she try to adopt one time before that? Before Louie? No? Mm, nope. Okay. I'm just, yeah. I mean, she got attached to kids, but... That's Dawson, so, like... That's Dawson, correct. Like, correct. I mean, she had, you know, like, case or here and there where, like, maybe it went, like, a storyline, like, an episode or two, but, like, not yeah. where she tried to adopt. Yeah. Yeah. So, she just says, she's like, what happened with Louis almost broke me, and Casey's like, so... You're willing to put your body and your life at risk, but not willing to adopt again. And Gabby just says, Gabby's like, we have a plan. To which I say, no, Gabby, you have a plan. Yeah. You have a plan. Yeah. I, yeah. Just because Casey doesn't want to do something that could possibly take Gabby away from him. Yeah. But I also like to believe that they've probably, as much as they should have talked about it after Louis, they really didn't. Because they right. were so broken and, you know, destroyed. And I, like, I get it. Like, they have to take some time to get themselves back right. But then you also need to talk about it. Not just when you're trying to have kids and then they find out something goes wrong and now is not the time to talk about it. They both have a stubborn independent streak in their relationship. Like, they will talk about things. But when it comes to things like that, like with Louie afterwards, when it comes to, like, grieving and things like that and just kind of, you know, going through the bad times together... That's when both of them get very stubborn and they both try to deal with it on their own. Both of them do that. Not just, uh, not just Gabby. Yes. And I mean, this is, I mean, this goes back to, like I said, like they have communication problems. Like Mm -hmm. they kind of talk about things on a surface level, but like, like I said, I've been saying this all season when the Bria stuff happened, did I not say that they needed to yell at each other and like get it all out there in the open in order to move on? You did, and I disagreed with you. I still don't think they need to yell at each other, but they do need to talk. But more I mean, I just feel like, often. in terms of disagreements, yelling like it's just gonna naturally happen. 
Yeah. Like, but they needed to, like, lay it all out there. And I said mm-hmm. that back when Bria happened. Yeah. Yeah. So later on, Matt has an errand to run, and I quote. So he goes to an adoption agency, which the minute he walked in, I was like, Casey, like, she's going to be so pissed. Ah. So he has an appointment with a woman named Devin, and this is where it's worth pointing out that Devin's last name is Dossie. I see you, Derek. Well played. But Derek well played, sir. Differently. I know no other way to spell Dossie. But Derek yeah, he said it's spelled like, D-O-S-S-Y or E-Y or whatever. The pronunciation is still the same. It's it is. Yeah. Yes. Well played, Derek. Well, well played. We love that. That was funny. So he walks into his office later at the firehouse and Gabby is just sitting there on his bed with the adoption pamphlets. Like a parent who just caught her kid with something taboo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's bad. And she's pissed. Like, she's really pissed. So Matt's like, I just wanted to get all the options. I just wanted to get some information. And Gabby goes, why did you think that it would be okay to talk to them without me? Gee, I don't know, Gabby, because you do that shit to him all the time. Because you would have told him no. And he is in the right to... So what, if he Googled it, if he didn't take the choice... Like, if he just Googled it, would she have yelled at him? Like, probably he just did it in person. Like, he basically just did an in-person Google search. Yeah. And, but, like... You flip it around, too, and if it's it's Gabby who goes and does this against Casey's wishes, Casey's at least going to talk to her and be like, why did you do it? Tell me how you're feeling. Let's reason through it. He's going to be upset, but he's also going to talk through it. Gabby just goes from zero to pissed. Yeah. Which is just hard. She doesn't hear him out, which is always what's all. bugged me about her. For Because 99.9% of the time, that's been the case. Yeah. But then it gets ugly. It gets really ugly. So they're talking. And Gabby is just like, Gabby's almost like on the verge of tears. And she just goes, I want to have my own baby. Why is that so hard for you to understand? And Casey turns and Casey goes, because Gabby, you can't have one. Face palm. Oh my god. That's like the number one thing you never say to Gabby Dawson. That's like zeroing right in on her biggest insecurity and just like poking the bear. I think he could have worded it differently, but like he's the his point is true. It is true. She It is medically advised against her having a baby. Right. It's not completely impossible for her to have a baby. No. It's just that there's a 10% is, chance that it could be fatal. Which is why I said it, he worded it wrong. His point Very that he wrong. was trying to make is true. He just, because it, it's not true, that, but it's not true that she can't have a baby. It's just advised that she shouldn't because nine times out of ten it would end up badly. Of all the people I would expect to hear that from saying it to Gabby, I would never expect it to be Casey. It stung. Yeah, and I think Gabby, I mean, Gabby got slapped in the face and she realized it. Yeah. Like. But the way she hears it and the way she explained it to Matt, she was like, you know, yeah, there's a 10% chance that something bad could happen. But she said, I'm viewing this as a 90% chance that we could be happy with our child. So I see how she's seeing it. But for Matt said that very, very harshly. He did. And I mean, I'll give him that. But. I don't know. 
I think, though, I was hoping that it would take, Gabby would take it as a slap in the face and realize that, like, she shouldn't be so selfish and, like, give Matt the chance to explain where he's coming from and why he wants to look into adoption whatever, but that's not the case either, and that's what bugs me about the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. So... Also, can I just point out real quick, though, you put the... Sebastian from The Little Mermaid with his mouth just like <laughs> dropped wide open in her outline and it's kind of the greatest thing. I really couldn't think of any other way to express it like my reaction to it because I was just when he said that I was like floored. Yeah. So I really couldn't think of any other way to express that other than by meme and I just happened to find a picture of Sebastian from The Little Mermaid. I'll, we'll post it so you can get the full effect. Yeah because it's great. It's pretty perfect. Yeah. I, I when it aired, I was really, I was kind of, I don't know the right word for it. I was just like, seriously, after six seasons, that's going to come out of his mouth? Because both of them want a baby so badly. And I was like, but Matt's think, just going to shut that door? But I think at the same time, it's so characteristically Matt Casey. Because I feel like Matt, a lot of times, tends to... When it comes to personal stuff, not when it comes to fire department stuff, but when it comes to personal stuff, Matt tends to sometimes stick his foot in his mouth, like, without thinking. Yeah, Matt's not good with words. He's good with words on the job, which is kind of insane, that he's so good at saying the right thing on the job, and, like, as an yeah. alderman, but, like, in his personal life, he kind of sucks at it. Really sucks. But, like, so, pump-up speech? <laughs> yeah. So, like, but at the same time, so, like, I wasn't surprised. Like, I was surprised, but, like, I wasn't surprised at the same time because Matt Casey is known to stick his foot in his mouth without thinking. Correct. I just try to put myself in Gabby's situation here and, like, confronted with my own ability to have children with that when it's such an important topic to me. It would hurt a lot, especially to hear that from my husband you know my the, the man who yeah. wants to have kids too you know yeah i mean let's keep going there's a lot of other things i know to... i'm sorry i just that no it's fine really, but like, like i mean me. there's things i want like i feel like i want to talk about more but like we got to talk about it and i like i want to talk about it in context of like the last scene okay so uh, yeah i'm also avoiding getting to this last scene because this was pretty bad so later on at the house oh because they're about to talk about it further and then the alarm bell goes off and like we'll talk about the alarm bell but that fucking alarm in this finale drove me crazy crazy but that's beside the point okay so later on at the house matt's just like i'm sorry for what i said before i just meant that i can't risk losing you no matter how low the odds and it's a completely valid point but then gabby says gabby goes it's my risk not yours and i'm willing to take it brenda let me take you back to the season five finale with the factory <laughs> fire and then 601 when gabby says never say goodbye to me again flip the rolls around imagine if she had said that to him or if he had said that to her after the factory fire if she said don't ever say goodbye to me again and his response was it's my risk not yours i'm willing to take it to die in a fire every single time yeah that would have been a shit show she would have hit the roof yeah but i like that you put it in perspective of switching roles because we did just see the same, I mean, we did just see the role reversal last, at the end of last season and beginning of this season. Like, yeah. Gabby thinking she might lose Matt and, you know, having to deal with the emotional impact of that. Although, granted, that is really what set them off because they technically have never really fully dealt with it. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, so I think I think that's a really good point that like if you're trying to see why what Gabby said to him is so problematic, just flip the roles reverse and what if he had said that to her after 5:22 and 6:01. Exactly. Cuz his response to that was I will always come back to you. And her response to that is it's my risk. Yeah. Wow. So Casey finally speaks up. Thank God. Because there have been so... I this is what like, I've been waiting for, I feel like, for seasons. And I didn't know uh, I yeah. needed it to come out like this, but I did. Yeah, and I know we just said that Casey's not good with words, but he... In this moment, came, he got it, his shit together. Oh, absolutely. In this moment, I was like, get it, Casey. Yes. I was like, preach. Yeah, so Casey says, he's like, you make these big emotional decisions as if my input doesn't matter. Preach. Bingo. His input never matters when Gabby makes a decision. And with Bria and Louie, I was like, I hold understood. The fucking phone. No, I was with, like, hold the fucking phone. With Bria and Louie? Yeah. Br- Louie more so than Bria. But, because like, at least Louie, I mean, Louie is literally, they're bringing a kid into their lives for what Gabby was hoping was permanent. Yeah. And, like, Gabby's like, I'm doing this with or without you. Like, if you want to be in our lives, great. If not, like, sayonara, see ya. And I was yeah. just like, oh, dear God. Bria was a little different because Bria, I don't think, was ever – I mean, Gabby maybe had hoped it could have turned into adoption. But, like, Bria was just more of, like, I want to – something's compelling me to, like, protect her. And so mm-hmm. if she just sleeps on her couch for a night, then that's different. Like, that – Bria is a different situation. Um, but Louie was just kind of, like – Dude, like you're trying, you're basically giving Casey an ultimatum, like you can be in my life with a child or not. Right. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, my input doesn't matter. She's like, no, of course it matters. It matters greatly. No, it doesn't. It goes, it, it matters in that it goes in one ear and out the other, Gabby. Come on. Right. Like, don't bullshit us. And this is when Matt just drops the truth. Okay. So not to take it back to Winter Hill again, but um, there is the scene at the end of season three when Brooke finds out that Lucas kissed Peyton during the school shooting and it's at the wedding and she gives him that whole giant speech. And she's like, why didn't you call me while you were away? Why won't you ever let me all the way oh, in? Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I can recite that scene verbatim because it's that much of a gut punch. And I feel like this scene is going to be that scene for me with fire that I'm going to be able to recite it verbatim because it just hurts so much. So Gabby's like, I can't be dependent on your input. I can't be dependent on you. And Matt looks at her and it's the most honest thing Matt Casey has ever said. And Matt just goes, what's wrong with being dependent on someone who loves you with everything he has? Oh, my God. That's like the killer. But like it's it's so true, though. And I don't I don't know. I have I like. I understand where the basis is of, like, you don't want to, like, especially as a woman, like, you never want to feel like you have to be dependent on your loved one. Like, you you should be able to be independent of yourself. But, like, there is nothing wrong with, like, not totally being dependent on someone, but being dependent on someone just out of love. Like, not financially, not, you know, whatever, but, like, just being dependent on someone every now and then emotionally. And, like, because you love them so much and they love you. Yeah, I completely get like, that. Like, I understand because Gabby is such an independent woman and she, you know, Gabby's always been, I'm Gabby, I'm an independent woman, I don't need no man kind of person. And so, like, I get that's where, you know, she's like, I don't, you know, I want to be, you know, I don't need to be dependent on it or you. But, like, he loves you. Right. Like, just let him in. And let, yeah. 
him take some of the burden off of you. That's yeah. Yeah. And and, and this especially kind of hit me in the feels because I do completely get what Gabby's saying. I was raised not to be dependent on anybody. I mean, right. you know, same. It's it's part of being a woman is to be raised to be independent and things like that. And it's why I think it's why in my teenagers and my twenties I had such problems with letting people into my life because I was so independent. Independent. Yeah. And then of course Charlie came along and I learned how to open up and in a healthy way to the point that I was like, okay, like I get what this is about now. And so I totally get where Gabby's coming from, but I also totally get where Matt's coming from because he does, he loves her with everything he has. She is his entire world. Right. And the fact that she can't understand how destroyed he would be if something happened with her. I mean, that is sad. Yeah. What I think you bring up a good point too, when you're talking about how in your life, you know, it took until the right person came along for you to be able to like truly let someone in and like be able to reciprocate the same kind of things. It kind of makes me think about, yes, Gabby was able to open up and that, and that's one thing, but like truly letting someone in and being, you know, marriage being a partnership and be able to be codependent on each other just because you are in a partnership with this person like you've agreed to be married for the rest of your lives like I don't know if Gabby ever got there like Matt clearly did Mm -hmm. but did Gabby and I mean you're kind of seeing the example now like maybe Gabby didn't fully get there right in terms of being able to be codependent on someone not because you have to be but because you want to be exactly and it begs the question And this could be completely, like, ridiculous. But Matt says, you know, what's wrong with being dependent on someone who loves you with everything he has? So, yeah, Matt loves her with everything he has. Does Gabby love him with everything she has? I mean, this whole thing makes me say no. Yeah. Like, I don't think think it's a case of Gabby not loving her or loving him. Because that is – we all clearly know that's a lie. Like, Gabby loves him. And Gabby loves him an extraordinary – like, an extraordinary – extraordinary I can't speak tonight an extraordinary amount but like I said it's really just a matter of like I don't think Gabby gets that she has to do it all on her own anymore she doesn't have to no right and that is what marriage is like marriage is you being able to do it on your own if you had to and if you want it if you had to but like you don't have to and you shouldn't want to right and the part that stumps me is that Gabby, of course, loves being married to Casey, but she also wants to have her own stuff on the side. But just because her, but just because she wants to have other things on the side doesn't mean that she can't love Casey with everything she has. When I feel like with Gabby, it's always just because she wants to have her saint, her stuff on the side doesn't mean Casey can't know about it. Like, yeah, you can have your stuff on the side and have Casey know about it and be okay with it. Yeah. Like, I'm sure if Gabby said, hey, Matt, like, I want to really become, like, I want to become, like, a skydiving instructor. Like, Casey (laughs) would probably flip about it. But, like, if she told him, he'd be like, okay, I don't really understand it, but I support you. Yeah. Like, you know, like, he can know about it and not support, I mean, and, like, not get it, but, like, still support her. Like, whatever it is she wants to do in her life that is her own thing, she's entitled to that. But, like, I don't understand why 
Matt, in this case, because that is the person she chose to do life with, like, can't know about it and can't choose to support her. Yeah, absolutely. But that is not Gabby for this whole thing, apparently. So they continue their conversation, and Casey says, Casey goes, either we're in it together or we're not in it at all. And this sets some people off. A lot of people on Twitter were like, I cannot believe he gave her that ultimatum. But I don't think it's an ultimatum about their relationship. It's not like... You know, if we can't agree on this, we're splitting up. I think this was more about having kids. Either we're in this together or we're not having kids. Yeah, I think I'd take it that way. But, like, I don't know. I mean, what is Gabby's goal? I mean, Gabby's going to Puerto Rico. Like, 99% sure Gabby made, made the choice now to go to Puerto Rico. So, like, I don't know. I think it could well, be about their relationship, but like I think I tend to agree more with your thing about it, like it them it be about them having kids, which is fair. I mean, yeah, she's carrying the baby, but it's his baby too. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm totally on Matt's side in this. Like, I just am. Yeah, and you know, so gabby says she's like you know who i am you knew it when you married me i haven't changed it used to be the thing you loved about me i think he still does love that about her but i think in this instance it's not i i don't think he i, I don't think it's healthy in this instance i think in other instances casey's like that's my girl but in this instance it's just it's exactly what he said this is one thing you can't leave me out of right when a lot of people i saw on twitter were bringing it back to their vows at their wedding and how Casey said that something about, I don't remember the exact wording, but he made a point to mention that in their vows. And it's like, yes, that's true. He did mention that, that again, that is something he loved about her, but like, it's become a problem that it keeps continuously cutting out, cutting him out of their lie, out of their relationship. And Mm -hmm. that again, this is something that impacts not just her, but the both of them. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, she can't fucking do that. Right, right. And so the episode ends with Gabby going to find Chief Hastings. And all she says is, tell me more about Puerto Rico. Now, at this point, I think she's asking about Puerto Rico because she's also had some issues with Brett in this episode as well. So she's just kind of, I don't want to say she's screwing up relationships left and right, but that is kind of what she's doing. So that's where they leave us with the cliffhanger. Now, there are some other things about Gabby that I do want to touch on. Um, We did talk to Ashley as soon as the finale was over because we do talk to Ashley like all the time. She and I think that Monica is leaving. What do you think? So wait, you're on Ashley's side because like Ashley made her opinion. I didn't realize you said the same thing. I agree with her. I think Monica's leaving, but I feel like I agree with it only because I'm prepping myself for the worst and hoping for the best. That's a good valid point. I, I honestly don't know. Like, I really don't. I I don't follow Monica enough closely to be, like, to have read into every little thing. and Like, I just, I don't. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I, I like mean, your theory of saying she's leaving only to, like, if it's preparing you for the worst, like, you can then hope, like, if it doesn't happen, they're like, oh, my God, thank God. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm kind of doing that with timeless cancellation. Like, I'm hoping, like, I'm kind of prepared if it gets canceled. But, like, then if it doesn't, and which I hope it doesn't, like, 
it'll be okay. And it'll just be like tears of joy instead of tears of sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just prepping myself. But also, I mean, let's think through the ramifications of this. If she leaves, they're going to suffer a fate worse than Lynn's dead. Yeah. Well, it's also just kind of so crazy. Like, I mean, Lynn said was in some ways show altering, but like, this is actually show altering. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Casey becomes single. Mm. Um, I don't even want to think about that because. On that podcast, I did see that he talked about, he's like, yeah, well, we haven't seen single Casey in a while. I'm like, yeah, it's a good thing. Because the last time we saw single Casey, we also saw Beth Pridgen. Well, but I mean, that's the thing. And that's kind of why I didn't want to talk about it in the news section was because apparently some people like that part was throwing, getting thrown around. But then something was saying that like, he just kind of meant it. Like, if you actually listen to it, he was saying it as like, uh. I don't think Casey would get into a relationship if they were to like leave. Not that like he wants to see single Casey, Mm -hmm. but that like he would stay single if Monica was leaving. Gabby is no longer a character. But so that's why I didn't want to talk about it in the news section because I haven't listened to it. So I don't know the full context. And then there's also a new paramedic you got to bring in. Yeah. It's just, yeah. But again, we don't know anything. We're not, you know, but it is something you kind of have to talk about just because it was thrown out there and, it's set up for a you know like a Lindsay situation of like she can't come back but like she also could not yeah and then if she does go to Puerto Rico and then come back there's ramifications of that oh yeah for sure yeah well then it's like that means we get a time jump like how long is she gone for Puerto Rico like how much time takes place in between season six to season seven and then you've kind of got a Jackson and April situation where April just ran off after Samuel died. Oh, don't remind me. I know it's too it's too soon to bring up Jackson and April. Too soon. That's the only analogy I could think of. No, it's a good. I mean, it's a valid point um, because, and I think that's a valid point though of a relationship that went through something so traumatic and you know something where in the end, I mean, granted it was not caused by disagreement it was caused by grief and tragedy um but where a couple never recovered i was gonna say jackson and april were never the same after that were they <sighs> no fucking Chanda rhymes <laughs> yeah and that was one thing i did see a lot of tweets and yeah i saw a lot of tweets about the frustration of the way gabby was written this season and it sparked an interesting conversation in the group chat because I have wondered things about other female characters in the universe and the way they're written at other points of the season. I've never really questioned it about Gabby. But a lot of people are frustrated with the way she's been written this season because, you know, she's made some selfish decisions. She's done some crazy things. I don't know how I feel about being frustrated with the way she's written what do you think i'll be honest i haven't sat down and thought about it enough and i don't want to start speaking and say the wrong thing because i haven't thought about it enough i haven't thought about it in the context of the way gabby's written so i'd rather not say something about it before i've like had a chance to really think about it 
Yeah, we neither one of us is really. I mean, we've we've briefly touched on it in the group chat, but we haven't really like fleshed out our thoughts about it. So that's probably a good discussion to have over hiatus. I will say that I have had that question before with regard to Natalie Manning, wondering if she would be written a different way. Were there more females in the writer's room? Hypothetical question. We don't know the the makeup. You know, we don't know these things. Um, it's just something we've wondered. But yeah, we're, you know, we haven't really completely rounded out our thoughts there with Gabby and the way she was written this season. I feel like overall the franchise does a good job of writing their female characters. Yeah. I will say, though, but, like, it's hard. Like, they are writing characters that are in a female, you know, or in a male-dominated society. Like, it's hard. It is hard. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned before, Dossie has fallen off of my top ten list. Yeah. Okay, can we talk? Let's talk about this. Okay. Dossie has fallen off of your top 10 list. Like, Completely. where were they in your top 10? Did you have them ranked as, like, a certain number, or they were they just in a top 10? Because you were not the only they, one that I saw that they have fallen out of. They were just in the top 10. Okay, you don't have yours ranked. I, I can't do it, because I just can never agree on, you know, a top, like... Yeah, I can never rank them. But yeah, they fell off. My, they fell off my top 10 because and I thought I thought about this because I'm so tired of the back and forth with them and how like and I tweeted it during the episode when they're good, they're good. But when they are bad, I want to destroy everything. That's, valid That's my point. exact tweet. And so I'm just I'm at a point now with them where I'm so tired of watching them fuck things up. that I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to unemotionally invest myself. You guys go do stupid things, and I'm just not going to care about it. And I think it's funny because, like, you know, to someone who is not at all in, like, any kind of fandom or anyone involved in, like, television, like, in some sort of, like, heavy investment, like, saying that a character, like, the way that a character breaks up, like, would take them out of a top ten kind of sounds insane. But to anyone who has, like, created a top ten or is even invested in a ship so much, like, it's not crazy. But, no. like, I was just curious, like, what made that, like, but, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's a good point. Like, when they're good, they're good. And when they're bad, they're unbearable. They're bad. Yeah. 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 Um, but, no. And so, like I said, that was something, you're not the only one who I saw that said they, you know, took them out of a top ten if they created it. Like, didn't have them as on high of a pedestal as they did. Um, so, my top ten is currently a top nine. Yeah, I was going to say, did you think of one that was going to replace it yet? No, not yet. Do you yet. have any one, Chicago char- any one Chicago ships in your top ten as of now? Not as of right now. I had Linstead, but then I took them out when they ceased to exist. You did? Um, yeah, my top ten, well, my top nine right now. Let me see. No, it's no, it, there's no one Chicago ships in there. I had Dossie in there. Um, let me see if I can quickly remember who's in my top ten. So Lucas and Peyton yeah. from One Tree Hill. Sam and Dean from Supernatural from as their relationship as brothers. And we're going to do amazing. a whole episode on this. So you don't have to get too much into it. But because someone uh, Perry requested that we do an episode on it during hiatus. So we are definitely going to because I've been wanting to retweak mine for a long time. Long time. Yeah, we'll get into that. So but yeah, as of right now, there are no one Chicago characters on my top 10. I had an honorable mention of like five ships. And then I deleted it because I was like, no, this is my 10. But now that Dossie's gone, I can't even remember who was in, like, my honorable mentions. Yeah. I think Josh and Donna from West Wing were in there. But, like, that's everybody's. They're not They're in everybody's mine. top 10. 
They're not mine. Um, I've, like, read, like, and it's funny, like, again, we're going to do a whole episode of this, so we won't get too far into it, because, again, we still, we have, like, the rest of the episode to talk about. <laughs> this could be do. a really long episode. Um, but, yeah, like, I've just really, I've been thinking about retweaking mine, and, like, there's been some couples that I've been so passionate about that I originally left off because of things, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I was that passionate about them in the moment. Like, they're making it. Um, so I retweaked mine, and mine's going to have changed a lot since it was right on the shipping room last year. So I'm really excited to do an episode on it. Yeah, mine was just read on the shipping room not too long ago, but it's also a year old. But a lot of those ships still stand. Um, yeah. I mean, some of mine do, and my number one will always be my number one just because of the impact it had on me. But, yeah. Yeah. So. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, like you said, we still got the whole episode to talk about. We just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> I know. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So are we ready to talk about Severide and Stella and Renee? Yeah. Do you want me to talk about it? Go for it. So in terms of Severide, Stella, and Renee, it episode starts with Stella and Sev making out in Sev's office when they get interrupted by none other than fucking Renee Royce. And this yeah. is the first time that Stella has seen Renee, but this is the first time that they've met. So Sev introduces Stella and Renee, and Sev introduces Stella as to her as his girlfriend. Like, Woo! yeah, cue all the fangirls, like, being like, oh my god, it's about time that Severide introduced somebody as his girlfriend. Yeah. About fucking time. Um, so, and then Renee's like, yeah, like, I was just curious to see if you had thought about my proposal, blah, blah, blah. So Sev officially agrees to, like, help with the case, and Renee's like, can you meet me at my place after work tomorrow to discuss? And he kind of gives her this look, and she's like, I have to get back home for Nicholas. Like, I told him, you know, when we when I first took this job and we moved back, like I said, you know, I'd always be home to tuck him in for bed. And so I'm like, okay, sure, you know, just whatever. Um, so later on, there's a whole Grislam situation that's happened. We're going to talk about that because it has to deal with Bowden and Commissioner, so we're going to talk about that. But basically, Benny is apparently sending texts to Severide about the Grissom situation. So Sev is complaining about the whole thing to Stella and so in the locker room. And so as they're getting up to walk out and leave after shift, she's like, I think I know what can cheer you up. Like, how about your girlfriend surprise you with sports and alcohol? Like, that'll make your night better. He's like, that sounds great, but I have to go to Renee's. Can we, like, push it a little bit? And she's like, yeah, like, you know, must be weird, right? And he's like, you know, I guess a little bit. And she's like, but that, you know, that's over, right? And Seb's just like ancient history. And everyone's just, yes. <sighs> Severide's on the same page. Ancient history, but I still get nervous when oh, yeah, he was like, sure. yeah. 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 No, I I got nervous at the very end. Like, I didn't think so good of kelly in that moment but we'll talk about and it's it. not so much i mean no i don't trust him completely but i more distrust renee yeah no for sure but yeah i definitely had some negative thoughts later on mm -hmm. but we'll talk about it so we're at renee's house apartment whatever the fuck she lives and she's telling severide about her baby daddy marco and how he's basically a kid himself and has never really fully supported her and nicholas even though they go over there or go back to Spain every summer. She's like, I don't know if we'll go back this summer. Like, it's not been that great. Um, and then, as if on cue, Nicholas comes into the room and wants to play with Kelly and wants to show Kelly his toys. So he, like, drags Kelly off the sofa to his room, and they're whatever. They're sitting down on the floor, and Kelly notices that Nicholas's bed is broken because, as Nicholas says, he's been jumping on it, whatever. And so Kelly offers to fix the broken bed. So as Kelly's leaving to go, he's like, I have tools in my truck. Like, I can just go out and get them. 
And so as Kelly's leaving to go get his tools out of his truck, Renee chooses for this moment to be where she apologizes, like, officially for what happened back in the day. She's like, I wasn't in my right mind to lie about who the father was and, you know, how she, like, expresses. She's like, you know, I wish, like, our relationship had gone differently. And Severed's like... So not the time. Right. Severed's like, uh, okay. Like, I'm going to go get the tools out of my truck. Like, he doesn't really know what to say. Like, he's just like okay yeah um and so yeah so then we cut back to herman and stella at stella's apartment and herman knocks on the door to fix the like lighting fixture or whatever and you know he's like i thought you would have been out by Severide," and he's she's like yeah we are but like he's running a little late he's at renee's whatever so then they have a start having conversation about renee and Stella shares that there's just something about Renee that gives her bad vibe. That she's not even, you know, it's not even, she clarifies later on. She's like, I don't even think Renee's like a bad person. It's just this vibe. But before. No, she is. That's your opinion. That is not Stella's opinion. Um, <laughs> but like Herman, when Renee's like, or when Stella's like, yeah, like Renee just gives me this like bad vibe. Or this, you know, just bad whatever. And Herman's like, yeah, because she's a wackadoo. <laughs> It's one way to say it. Yeah. But basically that scene ends with Herman end up wrangling her Stella into helping him with the kids because Cindy's out and yada yada yada. Get her help get her mind off things. So th- again, there's other things missing, but after Severide gets back from OFI, because he needed to get some copies of some papers to help with the case, he gets a visit at 51. From both Nicholas and Renee. And Nicholas distracts Severide because he made him this, like, clay fire truck or whatever. So he's showing Severide that and whatever. Uh, Stella and Renee are having this chat. And basically, Stella straight up accuses Renee of pulling out all the stops. She's like, I'm just going to warn you, do not mess with Kelly. So good. Yeah. And so then at lunch later on, like, right after the scene, Herman confronts Stella about that conversation. And Stella's like, yeah, it wasn't exactly what you look like. And then Herman gives her this look. And she's like, okay, fine, it was. She's like, but now she knows not to angle for anything more than that. So good. So proud of Stella. You go, Stella. You go. So good. So, again, that's, like, the first hour. Then we cut to Severide and Stella hanging out at Molly's. And they're having a conversation about, like, they're playing a little game about, like, he's guessing what color lingerie she's wearing. Like, really just kind of casually, like, in the bar. When Renee all of a sudden shows up out of freaking nowhere. Um, and she's freaking out that Nicholas is missing. So he tries to calm her down. And he offers to take her to the 21st. And Stella's like, yeah, yeah, go, whatever. Okay, let's just, can we take a closer look at this? Okay, so I'm guessing that by this point it's, like, 8 or 9 at night. So the sitter picked him up from daycare that had to have been, what, like, two, three in the afternoon? Maybe. So she's just now coming to Kelly at, like, eight, nine o'clock at night before going to the police. Yeah, the whole thing doesn't add up. And I get it. Like, yeah, if anybody in this whole universe is going to find your kid aside from intelligence, it's going to be Severide. It just is. Right. But still. But the damsel in distress look is just, it's not a good look. It's just, yeah. Like, and how did she even know where to find Severide? 
Right, right, that too. Like, I was like, okay, but like, what if he ended up being in his apartment? What if he had just happened to be like not in Chicago that night? Like, why? Like, yeah, like why didn't you her, call she's... him? Why didn't you like, like, how? Whatever. Knowing her, she's got like find my phone or something. She's got like fi- whatever the app. Right. Is. She, oh, like, for just knows sure. How to find him. Right. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so pretty much immediately they walk in the twenty first. They're talking to a cop that is not Platt, which. Again, I get it. Crossovers are hard, but like, still, could have easily been Platt. Um, th- pretty much, though, immediately after they walk into the twenty first, the nanny calls, and they apparently went ice skating and fell asleep afterwards at the nanny's house, and that's why Renee hasn't heard from him. And of course, Stella's first reaction is Renee reacted, which I think she did, and everyone else thinks she did. But yeah, no, I completely agree. I do like how Severide was like, well, anybody would have worried. But, like, Severide, you don't realize, like, you're Severide. Yeah. You know, people are going to come to you. It was, I mean, yeah. She didn't overreact. Yeah, for sure. Completely. So, later on, next shift, Stella goes and talks to Severide about what's for lunch. Just trying to have a cute moment with her man. But who shows up? Renee. Right. And it's like she's like Stella's like sitting there on the table and Sev's like in his chair and Renee's like, excuse me, like basically like move out of my way, bitch. And Stella's like, uh uh-uh, uh, like, what the fuck? Did you catch that she like she kinda used the bachelor line on her? She was like, Excuse me, I need to steal him for a second. I didn't that's notice like, that. That's the bachelor line of like get the fuck out, bitch. Oh oh I know. I yeah. I, I, I know that's the bachelor line. Um <laughs> So basically, Renee shows up with this dilemma that basically they've announced the opposing counsel and he's going to be especially tough. So she wants to go over a few questions with Kelly that they might throw at him. Okay. There are, I have to point this out just because I can't not. There were, I missed this all completely. Again, I was so caught up in the story that I missed any NBA reference completely. Um, And they weren't so obvious this time that like, like the Donovan Mitchell one. Um, but there's a, quite a few Utah Jazz references in this episode. So the first one being the opposing counsel's name is Rick Rubio. And I've listened to this a couple times. I swear it's not Rubio. It's Rubio. A.K.A. based on jazz player Ricky Rubio. If, even if it's Rubio, like Rick Rubio, Ricky Rubio, like come on now. Okay, so that's the first one. Mm-hmm. So... Then Renee takes Kelly to, like, a conference room and they practice going over questions or whatever. And Kelly notes that he's never seen Renee in action before. And he's like, I'm really impressed. Like, you know, you're good at your job. Okay. Here's, here's a fun fact for everybody. Everybody gather around. Gina's going to Gina's gonna teach you, okay? TV always makes lawyering look way cooler than it actually is. Oh, for sure. Lawyering is nothing like it appears on TV. Oh, for sure. I know many people who've nothing. gone through law school. Like, yeah. Nothing. And the one time I've ever had to prep for a trial, like, you don't really walk around feeling like a total badass. You walk around trying not to throw up from your nerves. Yeah. So that's just TV makes it look way cooler than it actually is. It's never that cool. Yeah. No, so then next time we see them, they're at the courthouse. Um, Kelly's in his dress blues, like, Ugh. hard eyes for days. Oh, my God. So casually, he's just like, I'm just dressed perfectly. Don't mind me. And so then he meets Renee and the two victims that they're, you know, helping. Um, cue more jazz players. 
Um, Alec Burks, which is the exact name of a Utah Jazz player. And he said Dan Exum, which is based on Utah Jazz player Dante Exum. So, more. Um, there's still one more. And there's one I missed that I still have yet to find that someone on the internet has pointed out. But I missed it. I still haven't caught it yet. Um, oh, so there were four. No, there were five. Oh, damn. Somebody said three. three. Somebody said three. I found two of those three, and I found two more of my own. And I've missed one of the one that someone pointed out. Okay. So I think there's five. I've yet to find one of them, though. This is a fun game for you to play, isn't it? Oh, my God. It's so great. And then, yeah, it's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this one was Alec Burks, who is an actual NBA player, full name. Diane Exum is, I'm assuming, based on Dante Exum. So, yeah. So then they end up going into the court, whatever, but not before we go back to 51. And Stella and Casey have this moment in the locker room. And I'm really enjoying the Stella-Casey friendship. Same. Like, it came out of the gate late, but it's good. It is so good. Like, it's something we don't see very often, but when we do see it, it's so, so good. Yeah. So Stella's like, I'm just ready for things to get back to normal around here. And Casey's like, you and me both. And so go back to the courtroom kelly testifies it goes great they end up winning the case i mean they were gonna settle but like still it's a win for them whatever the guys are really happy they leave because they're gonna go call their friends and what happens renee fucking kisses severide uh i mean of course it was gonna end in that there's no way i mean she always has an ulterior motive there's no way it wasn't going to end in that oh for sure I would have liked to have seen Severide pull away from her and be like, what are you doing? But yeah, like I was kind of disappointed that like as soon as she kisses him, like it switches scenes. Like we didn't get to see him pull away from her, like whatever that kind of resulting conversation is. I mean, we get it in Severide's words, but like I still would have liked to seen it. Yeah, it would have been nice to see. Um, Yeah. So severide was supposed to pick stella up after this um but you know he's nowhere to be found so she goes to his apartment and she looks around and this is honestly and i this i feel so bad admitting this because i love severide and you know whatever but like i swear to god part of me really thought that like she was gonna find the two of them you're not wrong don't feel bad i had the same feeling like i was so relieved when stella went into the bedroom and like they weren't there naked on the bed (laughs) no and i straight up i straight up like i was watching with my mom of course and i straight up said to her i'm like listen i'm gonna warn you now if severide and renee are in that bed together i'm going to scream yeah i was so relieved when that didn't happen yeah same don't feel bad i had the exact same okay good so she finally gives up and goes back to her place where kelly of all people is waiting for her on her bed and she's just like what are you doing here i thought you were gonna pick me up and he's just like you know like i couldn't stop you know like all i think about is you and you know i wanted to come here straight away and it's just like thank god at least something ended up happy for somebody right but then people on twitter were like People were, were trying to find, like, the le- like everything negative. Like, if things weren't going their way for Dossie, like, they were going to pick apart everything. Like, someone was like, well, they technically are at some point going to have to deal with the fact that Severide kissed Renee. And, like, he's going to have to tell her. And I'm just like, this is the only happy, the only thing, well, I guess it depends on how you interpret how you want Brett and Cruz to end up. But, like, this is the only truly happy moment in the finale. Like, let it go. 
Yeah, just enjoy just for it. the moment. Like I know they're like gonna have to have to talk about it, but like let them be season seven problem. Season seven's problem. Let's also be happy about the fact that the season ended with Stellaride and there was no crazy knife wielding ex boyfriend in the apartment. True. And let's just all be appreciative of the fact that Stellaride has actually come around enough to like call someone his girlfriend. Yes. Like he's actually in a committed relationship for one. Like what? Yes. What? Huh? And hopefully he will not fuck it up in season seven. Yeah. Like, what the hell? What the hell? So, yeah. But that is all for Stella, Severide, Renee. We survived Renee. We survived Renee. And now she's going to go on to her own show on NBC called Reverie. Yes, which I... is coming out, what, at the end of the month, right? I believe so. So shall we talk about Bowdoin? Yeah, let's talk about Bowdoin because there's a lot of shit that goes down with the Bowdoin stuff. There's a lot of shit that goes down with Bowdoin. Yes, yes. And I also don't want to forget what Jessica S. sent us at the end um, of the finale to talk about with Bowdoin. So I don't even know what Bowdoin, you're talking about. So Look at there. Yeah. So Bowdoin starts out at a meeting with the CFD Brask discussing last week's tragedy with Colonino. And so Bowdoin's like, I love this department. I just can't sit on the sidelines anymore and hope that someone else takes care of it. Grissom is there, too, because of course he is. And they both realize that they're running for the same position because Grissom has a very unhealthy obsession with 51, I'm convinced. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So Bowden returns to 51, briefs the team. He says the investigation's been closed. They just need to focus forward. And so as Severide is walking Renee out, Grissom shows up and chews Kelly out for trying to get Bowden to be commissioner. He is like a teenage girl. He's the worst. He really is. And so Grissom basically ends and he's like, you're going to wish you hadn't stabbed me in the back. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. When did we go back to the sixth grade? When did this happen? For real, though. When did I travel back to 2006? 2006, I was in college. (laughs) (laughs) Grissom's got issues, though. Like, who do you think has bigger issues, Hope or Grissom? Grissom. Really? Grissom, hands down. Oh, my God. Grissom's crazy. So Severide tells Bowden and Casey about the confrontation. And Bowden's like, you know, fix the relationship with Grissom. You mean a lot to him. A bond like that just doesn't disappear overnight. And then Casey, very sly, is like, welcome to politics. Like, oh, Casey, you so funny. I'm glad he's at a point now where he can make jokes about his alderman career. Yeah. But... The thing that Bowden said where he's like, a bond like that doesn't just disappear overnight. Well, it does if the relationship's becoming unhealthy. Yeah. Which, to me, the Grissom relationship is. Severide's better than that. Like, he's, he's, yeah. It's so unhealthy. Yeah, like, I I feel like Grissom doesn't have anything left to teach him. No. And I think that was long, I think Severide, like, back when Severide left from working under Grissom, like, I think he learned everything he had to learn from him then. Yeah. You know, Bowden is at the – Severide is le- at the right place at the right time for his career, and he's learning the things that he needs to learn in this stage of life from Bowden. Exactly. Yeah, hands down with that. I completely agree. So Severide – no, I'm sorry. Bowden meets with the mayor's aide that he saved. This is the episode – I referred to this episode a couple weeks ago. It's, like, way back when 51 gets, like, split up, and then there ends up being, like, this giant fire, and Yeah. So the aide tells him that the mayor knows who he is and that he doesn't have to sell himself because he's on the short list. 
the mayor's been a busy man in these seasons, hasn't he? Yes. <laughs> I feel like the only show he hasn't meddled in yet is Med. Has he ever? No, he was. He's in the very first episode of Med. He's in the pilot. Yeah, he's in the pilot. Yeah. Jeez. But, I know. I, I just imagine the mayor getting these things across his desk and being like, damn it, not them again. Like, <laughs> not Hank Voigt, not Wallace Bowden. Oh, shit. But, yeah, so Severide is waiting for papers at OFI when he runs into the current commissioner, Commissioner Staten. So Staten asks who he'd pick since he's worked with both Bowden and Grissom. And Staten says, pretend the choice is yours to make. Who's going to be the next commissioner? You don't see Severide's answer, but he's talking about the situation later on with Casey and Stella back at 51. And Sev goes, can you imagine Bowden threatening retaliation against someone like Grissom did to me? And he says, I have a soft spot for Grizz, but that's not the guy we need. Yep. Our little Severide has grown up so much. He's come so such so a long way. He really has. I mean, he's always been a super smart guy with his head and not other parts of his body. But True. Yeah. So the deputy commissioner shows up to 51 during lunch, tells everyone that Bowden's received Commissioner Staten's endorsement. And Casey's like, well, that's good news. And Severide is just like, well, as long as it doesn't light a fire under Grissom. Which, I mean, of course it's going to because Grissom is cray. Yeah. So the next call takes us to a boat party where they have to rescue a drunk guy who got stuck in a boat pipe after a fight. Fucking drunk now, assholes. When they got called to Navy Pier, I was like, uh-oh. I was like, we behaved at the con. I don't know who this is for. Like, because that's where the con was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fucking drunk assholes. And when I rolled up, though. I was like, oh, totally drunk assholes. But, um... They rolled up at Navy Pier and I was like, I know where that is. <laughs> totally recognize that. But yeah, total drunk assholes. And so just as they're coming up with a plan, Grissom shows up. Why he shows up, I have no idea. He literally serves no purpose. Yeah, like, and where's the rest of his, like, company or whatever the hell he's in charge of? Like, why did he just, like, roll it by himself? Like, this is where I'm, like, convinced that he's obsessed with 51. Oh, he's totally obsessed, and he literally just shows up just to stand there and micromanage. He, like, shows up to every call they're at. Yeah. It's crazy. He's, like, their stalker. Yeah. It just, yeah. So Grissom questions all of their judgments as they go with this call. It's, like, ridiculous. But they end up saving the guy, because there's a moment where Severide's got this, like, steel saw or something like that, and Gris is, like... He's too close. Like, you're going to hurt him. And Bowden's like, are you for real? That's like seven inch thick steel. Like, Severide knows what he's doing. Right. And they get him out. And yeah, they get him out. What's fantastic is that the first thing he says, Severide's like, are you good? And the guy's like, I need drink. a drink. I was like, this guy. <laughs> but actually, though. Yeah. And so after Grissom congratulates Bowden on Staten's endorsement, but it's like super awkward. It's hella awkward. So awkward. And he turns to Severide and he's like, you backed the right horse. Okay, whatever. So later on at Molly's, Bowden gets approached by a reporter from the Sun-Times. And this guy knows about the envelopes of cash he received a few weeks ago. And he basically tells Casey and Severide, he's like, we're going to take the high road. Which, that's Bowden. Just Bowden being Bowden. So Commissioner, not Commissioner, uh... Huffines, Chief Huffines, he shows up at 51 and basically tells Bowden that they're going to get rid of this story by lying about what happened. And they're like, yeah, they're just going to say that, you know, the commissioner got wind of it and told you to give the money back. And even Cap is like, so you're going to lie. And when Cap can realize it, then it's a problem. Yeah. When Cap realizes it, you know, you're doing some fucked up shit. And 
Bowden's like, no, I'm done falling. Like, we're not doing this. And so Bowden goes to Grissom's office and basically is like, you need to set the record straight. And he yells at him. And Grissom just tells him to get the fuck out. That's just, yeah. And Bowden's just like, before Bowden leaves, he's like, you have no integrity and no character. And why are you so obsessed with me? He doesn't say that. Why are you so obsessed with me? I know. <laughs> yeah. And so Hoffines later tells Bowden that shouting at Grissom pretty much cost him Staten's endorsement. And Bowden's like, mm. Okay, like, I know what I got into. It's okay. So at Molly's, Herman, Otis, and Mouch speculate. And another firefighter who's there, he notes that the mayor's really looking hard at, like, actual numbers, like calls taken, calls saved, how long. He's looking at the numbers. And Grissom has the best numbers in the district. Yeah, another firefighter, though, this firefighter's name is Jarepko. That is another Utah Jazz player, Jonas Jarepko. Jonas Jarepko, however you say the first name, but same thing. It's another jazz oh. player. I noted that last name. I was like, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, but okay. Jerebko. Yeah, it is so another jazz four. player. That is four. There is another one. Someone said on Twitter that Joe Ingles is mentioned. I have yet to find that one or, or some version of Joe Ingles. Um, but yeah. And they said that there was three. No one else pointed out the um, Dante Exum and the Ricky Rubio one. That was my finding. But so... Derek, you're do listening. Do you want help or do you want to find these yourselves? Well, I have or one like, more to want... find, but... Okay. Yeah. And if Derek could confirm that the Dante Exum and the uh, Ricky Rubio ones are correct, that would be great. But yeah, no, I'm going to find the Joe Ingles one. But I really don't want to... I don't know if I can handle rewatching this episode for a third time right now. So, like, it might have to wait. Yeah, yeah. So, Otis then realizes that Grissom's padding the numbers and he has been since 2006. So he's been getting away with this shit for 12 years. He's been like inflating numbers and making himself look better than he really is. So it ends with Bowden, Otis and the gang. They bound up the courthouse stairs to come forward with this evidence and Huffines meets them. The mayor has appointed Chief Grissom. Why has he appointed him at a courthouse is my question. Yeah, I. Is that a courthouse though? I, I don't know if it was meant to be a courthouse on the show. I did see a tweet during the, you know who I saw the tweet was, um, I saw a tweet from the filming in Chicago account. And obviously that account, they're super familiar with all the landmarks in Chicago. And they mentioned that that was the courthouse. Okay. If I remember correctly. Because like my yeah, guess was they were yeah. trying to make it seem like the, I mean, just like the mayor's office, but because they obviously probably can't film outside Mayor Emanuel's office, but like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the mayor has appointed Chief Grissom because apparently Mayor Emanuel just can't keep his hands off the Chicago shows this week. <laughs> like Seriously. Yeah. So the mayor's appointed Grissom and Grissom's giving this speech on the courthouse steps because apparently the fire commissioner being appointed is a really big deal in Chicago. I I guess. And so Grissom's like, I've waited for this for 40 years. I can't wait to scrutinize, you know, all of the things about the fire department in the city. And Bowden's just giving him this like go to hell stare. And so that's pretty much our confirmation that Grissom's hanging around for season seven. Yeah. I mean, is the thing, and now that I thought about it, like the thing that Jessica S. tweeted us about that Grissom has basically become the woods of, was that Jessica? Is that what you were going to talk about? I think it was Jessica S. Yeah. Yeah. That Grissom v. Bowden is going to become the Voight v. Woods of fire. Yeah. Which is such an interesting comparison. I think it's going to be true. Yeah. And we didn't think about it until Jessica said it. And we were like, oh, 
oh shit that's right right well because until last week with the but with him becoming commissioner like you didn't know like and you didn't know Bowden was gonna like how it was gonna set up because it had never been set up it had always been set up Severide versus Grissom right and now it's switched yeah so we've got an interesting battle set up for season seven the thing that's going to be interesting about that is that Bowden is not going to play as rough as Voight and Woods did with each other. Not on his own, at least. Yeah. It's going to be so interesting. It is going to be interesting. And, yeah, Grissom's... Maybe now that he's commissioner, he'll be distracted and won't be so obsessed with 51. Yeah, but, like, he's going to be obsessed with 51, just, A, because he has some weird I mean not weird it's noticeable and not unfounded but affection for Severide and Bowden and them are going to be coming 51's going to be coming after him well it's going to have to be defensive for them because I feel like Grissom's going to be coming after 51 so they'll come back at him just like they'll be on defense I don't know we'll see I think he's going to be a little bit of both it's going to be cray it shit going to be cray but yes, that is Bowden and the gang. Jeez. I know. So lastly, we got to talk about Brett and Cruz. Oh, dear God. <laughs> but I think... Take it, it away. Okay. So basically... What, do you, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? It ended in the way I kind of wanted it to. So I'm okay, okay. with it. But still. Uh-huh. So basically, there was this call that ends up just being a product placement for... Um, on star. yeah but it's there and so a boy gets caught under a tree there's a good samaritan who used his on star to call 911 and get help and whatever boy comes out alive blah blah blah, blah. the good not the point uh, but the good samaritan <laughs> that was helping the boy that got stuttered, stuck under the tree runs into brett at the hospital turns out this guy glenn Works at the, for the Indianapolis Fire Department handling all of their purchases. So Brett's light bulb in her head goes off and she invites him back to 51 to see the slam again. So she's telling everyone about this and Cruz is really excited, whatever. And Mouch and everyone's like, yeah, you're going to ruin this. And Brett's like, have a little faith. And Mouch is like, yeah, he's still going to ruin this. He's going to find a way to fuck this up. So Cruz and Brett pitch the slam again to the guy and he loves it and whatever and then like the only thing really of note in this scene is that brett kind of seems to be hitting it off with the with glenn so glenn shows up to molly's later that night to meet with brett and cruz and you know he says he you know he's like my you know my boss said that we can't get as many as you guys were probably hoping for and they're like well how many are you gonna order and they're like well we want one for every single company still so that's 73 in total and it you know, it's like, oh, well, 73 is kind of a lot. Um, so Glenn also asked, though, Brett goes to get them celebratory drinks at the bar. So then it's just Glenn and Cruz. And Glenn asks Cruz about whether or not Brett is single. And Cruz just kind of gets that look in his eye as he tells him that, like, she doesn't have a boyfriend. That like, And we all know the Cruz look that I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Like, we all know. So, of course, the next day... After, you know, because Glenn's like, if you just give me some prices on how many, how much it's going to cost, like, we can get this deal done. So Glenn stops by 51 the next day. And, of course, as he comes along, he brings a special gift for Sylvie 
of Indian Indiana's special root beer. And Cruz is like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, you can just go to the grocery store. And still be like, no, no, no. You don't get it. It's whatever kind of root beer. Like, this is I love thing. when he said that. He's like, we have grocery stores in Chicago, you know? Yeah. And she's like, no, you don't get it, Joe. So. I wonder if that's a real thing. I have I have a friend from Indiana. I got to ask her if that's a real thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, but of course, now that Cruz knows that Glenn is interested in Sylvie, his opinion has changed. So when Glenn's like, well, what's the price you came up with? Cruz lies and quotes him a much higher price than what they had initially settled on in the common area. And basically a price that could potentially blow up the slam again sale. So of course, Glenn's like, okay, well, like, I don't know if I can really do that. But like, if this is your price, like, I'll have to go run it by my bosses. So he leaves. And Cruz and Brett are having this conversation. Brett's basically like, what the hell? Like, why did you jack it up? And, but of course, before Cruz can give any kind of answer, they get interrupted with a call. So Otis and Cruz, like, they're having conversation later on about what actually went down with Glenn. And Otis is like, it's my fault for telling you to keep your feelings about Brett quiet in the first place. And Otis is like, obviously it was bad advice, like, since I said it, you haven't been able to sleep. You had sex with a married woman. You got punched in the face. And now you blew a huge slam against sale. Like, <laughs> you need to tell her. And so Brett comes running into the locker room. And she's on the phone with Glenn. And Glenn came back to the table with an offer of $260. And she's like, can we just please say yes? And she's like, also admits in this moment that, like, I'm surprised he came back to the table because I turned down his dinner date offer. So as Cruz, as soon as Cruz finds that out, he's happy to strike a deal. He's like, yeah, sure, great, whatever. And so then Brett walks out of the locker room, and he's like, I'm convinced. He's like, he's like I need to tell Brett I'm in love with her, like, with a grand gesture, Merle, like, dear God. It's like, dear God, Joe, why? Why? So... Later on, Cruz is planning this grand gesture, and Stella overhears him on the phone, and so he tells Stella what he's planning. And he's like, I figure I'd celebrate. And she's like, by booking two nights at one of the most ranch spots in America. She's like, he's like, you taking notice? And then so Cruz is like, no. He's like, I'm going to tell Brett how I feel, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, I, she's like, I guess you can never go wrong with a grand gesture. And it's just like, yes, you can. You can. You can. There is such a thing as going overboard, which that – would be yeah yeah so he sits in, in the roll-up bay staring at his laptop and then at brett and brett's reading this book which it's funny derek tweeted out that like he what he tweeted something about the fact that it was probably in that moment brett was supposed to be like reading a romance book and jotting notes in the margin like taking notes <laughs> so brett such a brett thing so and he's presumably about to make this move when the damn alarm goes off yet again did that alarm not get on your nerves this episode? I mean, it got on my nerves only because it seemed like every time someone was supposed to have an important conversation, it went off. It, yeah, it just got to a point where it was like every five minutes. I was like, stop it. Like, Well, it's fun. I mean, I'm going to make a timeless person here. And it's not a spoiler because like you even though you haven't caught caught up, like you kind of know some of the spoilers for timeless. Um, so like leading up to when Wyatt and Lucy finally kiss in 203, like, the first two episodes, literally every time they get close to kissing, someone interrupts. And it's just like, god damn it. Just, like, let them k- fucking kiss already. 
And, like, yeah. that's kind of how I felt. It was like, God damn it, that fucking alarm. Like, every time someone gets off. close to such an important conversation, something interrupts. And it's the alarm in this case. And it was other people in Timeless's instance. Also, when they get a call for a person down from unknown causes, it always makes me a little anxious because, like, you never know what they're going to come across. I'm always just like, uh-oh. Yeah, you, like, oh, shit. you, never, like, tense up. you never expected what you thought you were going to get, what you actually got right. tonight. So basically, they go to this apartment. This super drugged out guy answers the door. He apparently slipped and fell, whatever. There's, like, a bong on the table, like, super drugged out guy who clearly doesn't have – it's not in his right mind. So they open the jump bag or whatever, and Gabby's like, shit, like, we don't have enough gauze, so, like, I'm going to go get some from the Ambo. And Brett's like, oh, well, I can go. And Gabby's like, no, 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 like, it's fine. So Ga- Brett's having trying to have a conversation with this guy, see if she can get out of him what happened. And the guy just says, like, that my neighbor's super messed up. Cut over to the neighbor who – has a knife in the middle of her chest. She's been stabbed oh in the God. heart. And Brett's, like, trying to take care of her. And the guy, like, he has this really creepy laugh before he, like, walks out the door. And Gabby comes back. And, of course, Brett this whole time is trying to talk to Maine. And the service is, I don't know, Fuzzy. I didn't realize with like the walkie-talkie system or whatever it is that like you could get fuzzy service, but apparently you can in a house. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like they're underground. Like whatever. So she can't get to Maine. Like she's trying to call for backup. She can't. Gabby comes back and Gabby's trying to call and Gabby can't get through it. But Brett loses her. Um, you know, there's nothing they could do, and she just kind of slumps against the wall and cries. Um, you know, and they go back to 51 and Bowden's like I can take you guys out of service and they're like no 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 like it was tough but like you know we can deal with it we're fine but of course they're not fine well Brett is not fine um and so Cruz is later looking for her later at Molly's but you know we just it turns out she's just in her car crying like she just couldn't stand to be around people she's just in her car crying to herself can we talk about how even when she ugly cries she's gorgeous yeah like yeah so then this takes place after Jossie's first fight of the episode. 61 gets called to a bike accident. It's just a guy who ran into a fucking sign on the street. Like, nothing crazy. But Dawson's really short with Brett. And basically, you know, she's yelling at her. And then later on, Brett's like, I've never been talked like that. Talked to like that in my whole life. Like, you had no right to speak to me like that. Blah, 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 blah. And basically... The entire episode ends with Brett crying on Cruz's shoulder, and she tells him, she's like, your friendship means the world to me. And he says the same, and... Friendzoned! Yep. That's why I'm okay with the way how that ended. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really resolve anything. It's just gonna mean that Cruz is just gonna, like, continue to pine for her in season seven. Yeah. Oh. But that is, that is the two-hour finale. That is the two-hour finale. Overall thoughts on the finale, Bryna? Um, I, it was good. Like I said, it's hard to kind of separate how I feel about the episode from, like, how I, like, watched it originally just because of the whole deadline stuff. 
Um, so it's kind of hard, but I mean, I thought it was good. Again, I'm not totally heartbroken over the Dossie stuff because I was never like a total diehard Dossie shipper anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I found it very frustrating. It was a very frustrating two hours in terms of what happened to everybody. It was good. Don't get me wrong, but it was very frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Somebody had tweeted during the episode, they were like, can we just like make the season half as long and make every week a two hour episode? And I was like, no, no, like I don't like two hour episodes. They're too hard on the emotions. Yeah, I agree. And it is, I mean, and I love longer television episodes. Like, I'm definitely someone who prefers, like, 40-minute episodes to 20-minute episodes. But, like, double that is just, like, sometimes too hard to stay invested in. Yeah. I think I'm officially at the point now where I don't like two-hour episodes. So if an episode were to happen where they're like, this week is two hours of such and such, I'm like, no. Yeah, no, thank stop. you. No, don't give it to me. Too much. Yeah, too much. So, but yeah, that's the season finale. So, yeah, wow. So much to speculate about in terms of season seven. We're done with fire. We're done with fire. Wow. Oh my God. So crazy. Yeah. So, so crazy. Yeah. Wow. So. As always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. I've been messing with our Tumblr page in the past couple of days. Oh, do you add stuff to it? No, I've just been following people. Okay. And I've been going down the rabbit hole of gift sets. Holy shit, it's wonderful. Yeah, I can't believe it took you this long to get through to that. It still doesn't make, like, total sense. Guys, I've been on the prowl for, like, post-PD finale fan fiction for, like, days now. I just want a really good, like, trashy Berzik fic about, like, what happened after Alinsky died. And I haven't been able to find anything. Um, that's my rant. But, yeah, so. <laughs> that's my rant. I've been, that's my rant. I've been learning Tumblr slowly but surely. But, yeah, so maybe over the hiatus I can, like, learn how to do other things on Tumblr. I can show you in Austin. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Please, please do. Yeah, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us about anything because, as we've said before, we watch other shows too. Um, you can DM us, however you guys want to get in touch. We have a website, meet us at Molly's.com. The website will be updated this week. It has not been updated in a couple weeks. I That's my fault. It will be updated this week. Yeah, we have – I mean, we have a lot of stuff to update, so we try. We try our best. Um but yeah, so the next time you guys hear from us will be for the med finale, and then we will be done for the season. Yeah. We are going to so take crazy. a little bit of a – I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll say it again um, when we record med. We are going to take a little bit of a break. Um, yes. yes. Just because it's been a rough couple of weeks. We've delivered a lot of content. And we need a little bit of a break. So we're going to take a little bit of a break till we're gonna record something we're gonna record something when we're together because like why not but we don't know what it is or yeah and it's just gonna be two of us not ashley's not gonna be there so we don't know Mm. but we'll be back this is also a good time to note nice and clearly like if you are going to atx festival in early june we will be there yeah our whole squad rolling deep with the squad Rolling deep with the squad, our friends from Talk Nerdy, our friends from the shipping room. 
we will be there. Yeah. Yes. Just our friends in general. Wonderful. Yeah. We're, I'm yeah, so excited. Yeah. Same. I'm so so excited. Yeah, so. But yeah, that's the plan. And again, we'll reiterate that when we record our Met episode. And yeah, otherwise, go listen to our interview with Jeff Dreyer. Prepare yourself for the Met finale. And we will see you then. Bye.